Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome back in to the film room. And this week we are back on the documentary side of things. And my co-host for this week is none other than Mr. Nathan Wall, the head girls basketball coach from my wife's alma mater, David City Aquinas. Coach Wall, how are you doing tonight? Coach, a little nervous. Um, i got to follow your daughter who just had the last documentary and she was fantastic. And then... you put me after a team loss? Like, how can I... <laughs> like, that, that's that's a tough act to follow. Well, you know, you're just going to have to carve your own niche out here, Nate. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, you know uh, uh, all, all kidding aside, uh, kind of like what we were talking about off air, I was I was really proud of my daughter and, and uh, uh, what she did with the Bad Boys documentary. And then, I mean, Teen Wolf and, and Michael J. Fox, you know, that's, that's, that's just... As as Meyer and I discussed, that was just uh, film history in and of itself. So, what more could we ask for? We've got a bunch of uh, really good ones left to go here in, in season one of the film room, and we've got a really good documentary here tonight. Uh, the street stops here about the story of Bob Hurley Sr. and St. Anthony's High School in Jersey City, New Jersey. Of course, there's been a lot done with uh, Coach Hurley and and the program there. Uh, uh, ESPN reporter, before he became a world-famous NBA insider, Adrian Wojnarowski wrote The Miracle of St. Anthony uh, that came out with, in, I'm sorry, excuse me, came out in 2006, which is a terrific book I've written, or I've written it, jeez, I've read it myself and uh, have it somewhere on my bookshelf uh, at school and just a terrific read. So uh, Coach Hurley, just one of the uh, one of the legends of the game, one of only three or four high school coaches in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. And uh, yeah, just, you know, I, I think we start there, Nate. I, th- I think we just talk about Bob Hurley and his career, um, you know, 22 state championships, 900 wins, 150 Division One players. I mean, what more can you say about the guy? I learned a lot about uh, Coach Hurley. I mean, I, I was familiar with, you know, St. Anthony's um, going into this documentary. And, you know, I guess now that I think about it, at the back of every Nebraska State basketball tournament program is – all, how Nebraska compares to the nation as far as most state championships in the state compared to the nation. And now I think about it, it always says Jersey City, New Jersey, St. Anthony's as yep. the leader for most consecutive state championships and also most championships overall. And I, that didn't dawn on me until I was watching the documentary. Like, yeah, that is on there. And I didn't realize that he was a probation officer. Yeah. At, while he was while he was coaching, that's something I learned during the during the doc. That I thought was pretty neat. Yeah. Well, you you kind of could see how he. Oh, you, know, you see it. Yeah. He 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 wasn't going to, uh, uh, you know, a sixteen year old with a little bit of attitude was not going to intimidate him very much. Safe to say. No. So. No, not at all. Yeah. Um. You're you're uh. You know your overall your overall thoughts uh, on the on the film, Nate. Uh, it, it's a great movie. It's 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 a little bit hard to find, but it's out there. Uh, it's only about eighty minutes long, um, and and there's just a lot of really really good stuff in it. But I'm going to kind of let you roll here. Uh, your your overall thoughts on on uh, the street stops here. 
Well, you're right. It was kind of hard to find. I think I even had to get a hold of you and say, um, I can't find this anywhere. And then you sent it to me. And then I had to even hunt down a DVD player. I mean, it's crazy how much <laughs> in this day and age we're streaming things. Uh-huh. There's a daycare in my house that my wife runs. And we didn't have a DVD player set up. I even had to go find the cords and hook it back up. And <laughs> I mean, it's crazy to think about how much we're streaming everything now these days that we can't even, have, you know, we don't have a DVD player hooked up. But, mm-hmm. um, so I, I like that I got to watch something entirely brand new to me, mm-hmm. uh, and you know I liked it. Uh, what I did is I watched it first, kind of just cold, and just watched it straight without stopping. And then uh, I rewatched it this afternoon and took some notes on it, um, and I liked it better. I liked it better the second time. But I guess I'm kind of that way when it comes to movies anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't like Zoolander the first time. But it was <laughs> yeah. kind of dumb. Oh, yeah. And then when I rewatched Zoolander, I realized, oh, it's supposed to be dumb. This movie's fantastic. Yeah. So I, uh, that's the way I am with movies anyway. I was that way with Napoleon Dynamite. Like, I watched it. My, my students just, they would come in, and every day they'd just be, you know, you know, uh, what'd you do this weekend? Or what'd you do this summer? Well, went to Alaska to hunt wolverines, you know, and just and they just kept ratting off these lines over and over again. It's like, okay, I gotta see this movie. So my wife and I rented it. I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I have ever seen in my life. But my kids kept quoting those stupid lines, so we watched it again, and it's it's kind of funny the second time. And so then you watch it the third time, you're like, okay, this is pretty funny. And by the fifth time you're watching it, you're just you're giggling your tail off, and you, you can't you can't stop laughing. So I I can appreciate that. So, um, you know, I uh, I've always liked this. I I bought I can't remember where I bought it at. Uh, but we took a trip out to uh, Scotts Bluff for a tournament. Uh, we brought our boys and girls team out there for that Western Nebraska tournament, and uh, we had a travel bus, which was really nice to have. We had DVD player on it, and I, uh, the boys coach at the time, John Bird, I was like, "Hey, let's let's throw this in, uh, and let's let's have the kids watch it." And uh, you know, we got done with it, and, and you you didn't hear a pin drop the entire time on a high school bus, which is hard to do, and. They start clapping at the end of the movie. They're like, "That was great. That was like, man, we love that movie. That was great. That was awesome." So, uh, I've I've always really enjoyed it. There, um, my biggest overall thought here, Mister Wall, I, I want you to uh, uh, kind of get a visual here, and I mean this next statement very much in a complimentary way. So, are you ready? I'm ready. How big is the chip on Bob Hurley Senior's shoulder? I mean, uh, the, the size of the New York metropolitan area. That, he goes <laughs> that dude uh, is is ready to to go. Uh, and again, I mean that in the most complimentary way. I've uh, that dude has an edge at all times, and I, and I think that's that's the reason why he was. Uh, as good as he was, and again, you can be good in really, really different ways. Our mutual friend Kelly Flynn has won the most state championships in Nebraska history, uh, and he is the polar opposite of Bob Hurley as as the way he coaches his kids. So there's more than one way to skin uh, a, a cat here, but uh, you know, just that, just the, the the guy just never took a day off from having that chip on his shoulder and challenges challenging people around here around him. Uh, I'm guessing you noticed well, that as well. Yeah, yeah, it's. I think it's the situation that he's in as a coach. I mean, he absolutely he had to be that way. I mean, the documentary even starts out with him saying, as he's driving through the streets, he says, "Every once in a while, I flip. So be it. If I didn't, these streets would swallow these kids whole." 
Yeah. And so that the end of the day, all he's trying to do is get them to a better life. So mm-hmm. he had, he had to be, and that was kind of the theme of the movie was how tough he is because of these kids, they needed it and they needed somebody in their life to be that consistent person pushing them to be the absolutely best person that they can be. Yeah. They reached their full potential, not only as a basketball player, but also as a productive member of society. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also kind of enjoyed uh, watching uh, some of the players that they played against that particular season. Um, some future pros like uh, Tyreek Evans and yep. Lance Stevenson. And then they had a couple of guys on their team that went on to, to very high-profile schools. Uh, Tyshawn Taylor went to Kansas, and Mike Rosario ended up at Florida playing for uh, Billy Donovan down there. So obviously, you know, Coach had some talent to work with. He had some dudes. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed – uh, kind of, you know, I always kind of what were what were they like uh, before anybody nationally who knew they who, who knew who they were, and and that was kind of something interesting about this film as well. Right, that's one of my favorite part about basketball documentaries as well. Like, oh, Lance Stevenson, okay, he's from he's from that area, man. I would find myself as they're interviewing these players through this documentary, like I would start Googling them to see like you know, what their high school career was like. They went off to college and then oh, how good were they in college, where'd they end up? And even the players from that St. Anthony's team. And yeah, that, that, that took, took me a while to get through the movie this afternoon. Cause I kept Googling different players <laughs> that were coming up. Yeah. Um, coach, how, how often, uh, how often should you rewatch this movie? Now that you've watched it once, how often should you rewatch this movie? I'd say once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, once a year, perhaps before your before the season starts, preseason. You know, maybe at the time when you're getting your handbook ready, um, getting your standards established before you meet with your team. I think that'd be a good time to to rewatch this. Yeah, I literally uh, you literally read my mind here. There wasn't much to read, but you read it I, on my piece. I. Uh, piece of paper I put right before the season starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's when you should watch it because I think it puts you in that coaching mindset. I mean it just it just it just locks you in on that coaching mindset from there. Right. Yep. Um okay favorite scenes here. I've got one, two, three, four, five, uh six, seven. I've got seven favorite scenes of mine and i'll go through mine first and let's see if any of your favorite scenes line up with mine so um you know a couple of the the, the storylines and and the, and the, you know this is kind of a running theme throughout the throughout the uh the film is i especially you know you can relate you you coach at a parochial school you're in a, you're in a town with a small parochial school i was in parochial schools for a long time uh but just that constant uh worry about funding and keeping the doors open and you know that that was something especially when I was up in Sioux City and teaching and coaching in Sioux City uh, that was a very very relatable uh, storyline and and so those scenes when they were talking to those folks about that I, I liked uh, the Kobe Bryant scene uh, the story about when they played uh, Kobe Bryant when he was at Lower Marion and uh, he sat two of his best players and they still found a way to beat Kobe's high school team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really, really like that. Um, 
the scene where they found out that they were number one, the number one team in the country. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? He just gasses them for that practice. I mean, he just lets them. Uh, he just lets them have it, and and the, you know there's there's no uh, fat and happy. He's not going to let these kids relax. There's so much more to accomplish. Uh, quit reading your headlines. Uh, I really liked uh, the scene uh, with or the the sequence where he talked about his relationship with Bob Hurley Jr. and you know how hard he was on him, and now that you know Jr. is is much older, he understands what his dad was trying to do, but it was still difficult to go through. Um, I really liked the uh, the intervention uh, that they had. The, the team had, and, and this might have been my favorite scene, where the team took ownership of the team and the Rosario kid uh, got the technical fouls and, and he, I don't know, I don't think he fouled out, but but Hurley set him the rest of the game. And uh, the next day, uh, his teammates just basically confronted him about his his attitude his his lack of positive energy when things when he's not scoring as much as he would like to score that night and I thought that was a really really powerful team uh uh thing that that all teams can learn from uh as far as you know the having the team have ownership over the team and and then uh kind of like where the movie starts and then we revisit that scene about 65 70 minutes in the movie where he's kicking them all out of practice and and then he turns around and he starts smiling. He's like, we got done what we needed to get done. They're going to come in. They're going to be fresh. And it, he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. So uh, those are my six or seven favorite scenes. Did any of yours line up with any of those? Every single one of them. I like I liked all those scenes. Um, you know, if there's – I understand this is the, like a documentary. Uh, it's not necessarily about the games that they're playing, but it's more the things that happen behind the scenes when you're running your program and – New York metropolitan area. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't as not which is very similar to Butler County by the way, right? Oh, it's exactly <laughs> the same. <laughs> exactly. Um so I wish there would have been a few more basketball games in there, uh but that's uh, but I get that that's not the point of the documentary, but mm-hmm. the game against Neptune um that, that they were playing um and they're up on Neptune big time the entire game, a 25, 30 point lead cushion the entire game. Mm-hmm. And then Mike Rosario, um, he sits him down and says, This is a sign of character. What's the by language right now? This mm-hmm. can't be about you. It's about us. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that was like, a, they showed the game for about five minutes. And then, um, you know, he's yelling at one player, Dominic, where's your energy? Mm-hmm. And just the ways, different ways he used to motivate his team, and then, um, you know, and then he's talking to his star, his McDonald's All American, and says, "You got to play harder, not worry about whether or not your shots gonna go in." Mm-hmm. And that was right after he pulled his his All American for just giving him a look. And every time a player rolled their eyes to him, mm-hmm. um, he, he pulled him out of the game. And that game kind of a uh, that game kind of escalates where. Um, Rosario gets that gets the two technical fouls for hanging on the rim and tells him to go to the end of the bench, put his jacket on, 
Yeah. Stop giving people looks. Mm-hmm. Put your jacket on. And then he yells at the ref, which takes me back to your your blue chips um, pod. <laughs> Metal, you're getting worse as the game is going on. So yeah. he gets a technical, and then the coach down the sideline from the other team from Neptune starts starts jawing at Hurley, and yeah. and Hurley doesn't back down and yeah. says, "Something funny about this? Take a look at the score, pal. Yeah. While you are while you are." staring at me take a look at the scoreboard yeah so, um i just thought that whole i thought that game was funny and had me and had me giggling as well but um yeah i like the i like the scene there with the old school footage of him coaching his son bob Rooney. yeah um he mentioned there that he had to he he kicked the son out of practice a lot and his son earned it he earned all, every time he got kicked out of the gym early in his career. Mm-hmm. And then later on, it became it became part of his ML. psychological ploy yeah. to kick his son out of practice because he liked the response that he got out of his team. And even his teammates mentioned that if he's going to be this hard on his son, he's going to treat us exactly the same way. And, and then they broke into Coach K, and Coach K then said that Bob Hurley – Junior was the most daring player that he's ever coached. Yeah, the way that Bob Senior um, created him. Yeah, um, yeah, you're exactly right. Coaching at a parochial school, I, I I see that everyday battle that the the parochial schools have to keep their doors open and, mm-hmm. and try to get that funding and the people that you see working behind the scenes, the principals and um, um, whether it be fi- the financial people, how much, how hard they have to work to try to keep generating their funds to mm-hmm. keep ordering books and mm-hmm. uh, get their salary to teachers. And so, yeah, that, that, that is an absolutely real thing that I see. And, and coaching in an all pro school conference, like I do, I hear of these struggles that other coaches have. You know, yeah. Most coaches in our conference drive their own team on the bus on the way to the game. Mm-hmm. Just, um, just even, to say, just to save fifty bucks from paying a bus driver, and also to bump up their paycheck yeah. a little bit as well. Uh, I know my athletic director Ron Mimic, who's absolutely one of the greatest mentors I've ever had, the greatest mentor I've ever had in my life. You know, he teaches all day, and then he's athletic director, and then he drives his, his football team to an away game, and then coaches the football game and drives them back. And I know my assistant coach I've had the last three years. He does everything in the school. He streams the masses every single day, and he's a technology director, and he drives the school bus, and he, he's my assistant. So mm-hmm. that was – that was um, uh, I'm going to say it was, it was neat to see, but also was like that's a real-life thing, how, how much these parochial schools really struggle on an everyday basis to keep their doors open mm-hmm. and also to serve their students in the community to give them that faith-centered education mm-hmm. that they're so passionate about. Yeah. I uh, I thought one of the just, – it's just a little 10-second scene – uh, where, you know, Hurley's at a game and some guy just out of the crowd, you know, he's walking by and says, Hey coach, I just love what you do. I love, uh, uh, you know, uh, heard a lot about you. Here's, here's a check. I just, mm-hmm. you know, thank you, you know, and, and, you know, just the power of, of Bob Hurley senior and, and the way he just, you know, took that money and reinvested it back in the school to help the school. You know, he came out, uh, to Omaha, oh, probably, 
oh, it had to be six or seven years ago. And I'm get you know, he put on a clinic and, and I'm guessing whatever money he made other than his travel expenses, he put right back into St. Anthony's as well at the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, just the power of, of Bob Hurley senior and the way that he could help with that fundraising and, and driving that for the good of the school was a really powerful thing to watch as well as, as the movie went on. So if you are a coach in the Omaha council bluffs, Lincoln area, be sure to sign up for the Metro Basketball Coaches Association Coaches Clinic Series to be held at DJ's Dugout at 114th and Dodge here in Omaha, Nebraska. The Omaha Metro Basketball Coaches Association has four clinic dates lined up, September 21st, September 28th, October 5th, and October 12th, and will have some of the best coaches not only from our region but nationwide. If you're interested in signing up for the Metro Basketball Coaches Association Coaching Clinic Series, send your registration and fee to MBCA, care of Tom Crable at Boystown High School, 122 Heroes Boulevard, Boystown, Nebraska, 68010. Registration fee is only $75 per coach on your coaching staff, and you won't regret signing up for the Metro Basketball Coaches Association Coaches clinics. Um, anything else on your favorite scenes? I, I thought, well, I mean, I know we're going to talk about least favorite scene or worst scene coming up. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of twofold when we talk about, you know, they show at the beginning of the practice how he's kicking people out of the gym and they come back to it the later end of the game. And, you know, he mentioned something how – to his team, if you lose tomorrow, you'll be the laughing stock of high school basketball. Yeah. And whereas that's a pretty deep statement right there, and I didn't really like it because it is really just a high school basketball game. And but then he kicks them all out, and he, like you said, he's smiling, and he tells his assistants that was a psychological ploy. Mm-hmm. We got everything done that we needed to, and we got them out of the door with the fear of the Lord in them. Yeah. And I thought, you know, he was throughout the entire movie, throughout the entire season, constantly trying to find that button that he needs to push to get them to be their absolutely best mm-hmm. when they need to be their best. Yeah. You're, uh, for for me, I, I had two, there's there's not too many bad scenes in this movie. Um, it, it is not, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to spend as much time on this as we did in Teen Wolf. But... Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, still an Oscar-worthy uh, masterpiece. But uh, one of your favorite scenes that you, you pointed out that you really liked was actually one of my least favorite scenes. It, for, for this reason, you're talking about, I think, I think you said it was Neptune. I can't remember who the school was. Um, I, I had no problem with anything uh, that happened between Hurley and Rosario until... Um, until Bob Hurley got the the technical for chirping at the uh, chirping at the official, and then he goes over and he starts yapping like you said. He starts talking with the other coach, and and for me, I would my perspective of it was yeah, you know, I mean, I agree with you. It was funny and he was sarcastic. Is and we'll get into some of the the best lines and stuff. But you know, here you are. You've just spent. Uh, two minutes of this film just getting on this kid about his body language and his attitude and the way that he carries himself and all this other stuff 
And then you go over and essentially in an adult way do the exact same thing that he's doing because you're probably upset because you feel like you're not beating this team well uh, as much as you would like or you're not playing as well as you're like. So now you're getting frustrated and you're letting your body language and your actions carry over into this manner. And, and I just, you know, I just didn't think that was a very consistent message that he was sending as, as he spent this, this whole game uh, getting on the kid. You know, so that was kind of that. That's the way I looked at that uh, part of it. Right. So. Yeah, I thought it was a very entertaining scene, but I had the exact same thoughts because the next day he comes into practice and says, "Well, we had to call the state of New Jersey to see if Mike Rosario is eligible to play the next game or the next two games." Mm-hmm. And since they weren't flagrant fouls, he was, you know, he was eligible. Um, and then he was talking about how, you know, they don't get technical fouls, but he just got one. So I'm wondering if there's any sort of apology coming from Hurley mm-hmm. to his team. Because as a coach, I know in the technical fouls I've gotten in the past, it's been a long, long time, it's always been followed by an apology like that should never, ever happen. Yeah, yeah. And no, yeah, no. That, should, that, should ne- that should never, ever happen as a coach. And I let my emotions get the better of me and – that's not going to happen again. I wonder if that apology ever came out of Coach Hurley. I'm kind of doubting it. I doubt it. Yeah, that 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 doesn't seem as part of his personality, and that's also how he keeps his edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I agree with you with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other scene that I had kind of a hard time watching, uh, just like anybody was was the uh, again we had talked about the fundraising uh, when I think the guy's name is Alan Schwartz. Uh, mm-hmm. he's going to, you know, they're putting, pinning all these hopes on raising a whole bunch of money, uh, for the school. And that was right when the financial meltdown on wall street began and he's, uh, everywhere saying, you know, I can't, you know, we're, we're in a whole bunch of trouble and we've mismanaged this whole thing. And, uh, I think that I can't, you know, you've seen it more recently than I have, Nate, but I can't remember how much they were hoping to raise. I think it was six figures that one, in that one night and they raised less than $10,000. And that would, you could just, you could just see, uh, it, it was just painful to watch these folks who had pinned so much on this one thing, just lose so much, uh, energy, uh, as, as it happened. Right, and they needed $1.5 million at the yep. beginning of the film to be in the school year. I think you're right. It was uh, they needed six figures. And you know, if I had to redo it, I'd probably say that was my least favorite scene. In fact, it made me so uncomfortable. I kind of even put my head down. <laughs> I think I kind of that might have been when I was Googling who some of these players were because I just couldn't handle some of those people walking out on the St. Anthony's yeah. funding people. They just were wow. And she was. She's like, I'm begging you to stay. I'm begging this way a little bit longer. And it was so uncomfortable. I think I don't even, I couldn't even watch that scene. So you are right with that. Yeah. It, it wasn't quite Scott's tots un, uncomfortable uh, from, from the office. You know, we're, we're, we're not promising kids college tuition. So, but it was, it yeah, was pretty that's, uncomfortable. That's the one episode of The Office. I like, I, I start getting the heebie-jeebies. Like, my, 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 my hair starts staying at the back of my neck. I can't stand that. Scott's Tots episode. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I bet, I bet I had to try to watch that ten times before I could watch it all the way through, and and not just just have to literally either turn the channel or shut it off. Uh, so that that is the 
that I think that is the ultimate uh, cringe ep- episode or cringe scene or whatever you want to call it. Maybe we, we need to come up with the uh, the. Uh, that category, instead of it being the worst scene, maybe it's the the, the Scott's Tots most cringeworthy scene or something like that. Maybe I need to rename that category. So, <coughs> um, basketball realism uh, and the 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 accuracy. I had a plus 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 plus. I mean, you just can't get. Uh, it would be very difficult to get more uh, entrenched into a team and knowing how a team really really runs and how it really functions. Uh, than you are with this film, uh, all the way around. I thought the 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 filmmakers did a tremendous job of of putting this this whole thing together and really showing the journey of this team that hadn't accomplished their ultimate goal. Uh, and and here's the the sagey, you know, it's kind of the Obi Wan Kenobi leading the Luke, the bunch of Luke Skywalkers to their ultimate destiny here, and, and follow my lead. And and so uh, I, and I really enjoyed towards the end of the film uh, the rivalry between Saint Anthony's and Saint Patrick's. And we, you know, our jobs, you know, our jobs are a lot easier when we win certain games every single year. And and I really liked the storytelling that went along between or, or that went on with the the rivalry between St. Anthony's and St. Patrick's and and how that all came about. How about you? Yeah, could have been any more real. Um, and the behind the scenes footage of the journey that these kids have to go to on a daily basis just to get to school. Oh wow! Right yeah. Yeah, riding on the subways, what's it like at home, um, the things happening inside the administrative offices, generating money. Um, this movie reminded me a lot of the movie Miracle, how it kind of all leads up to that semifinal, not the actual championship. Yeah, oh yeah, you know? yeah. And it was all, and we don't see any footage of the actual state championship game. Everything was leading up to that to that state semifinal there. So it reminded me a lot there of the movie Miracle. Mm-hmm. And then we, of course, find out that, you know, Team USA wins the gold and St. Anthony's wins the state championship. So basketball realism was off the charts. Absolutely. Um, and it's it especially everything happening in the locker room as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like cool. I said, and, and that's why that Rosario scene where his teammates confronted him, uh, that was my favorite scene of the movie. Just again, you know, just that, that's a coach's dream when, when you – when your when your players own the team, when they truly own the team, and that was an example of players taking ownership of a team at an extremely high level, that and they were they were really brutally brutally honest with with their best player uh, in that scene, and and they laid it out there on the line. And a lot of times you think it's you know that's kind of the Hollywood type of it, uh, but but this was this was as far as we know, of course, uh, just it was real, it was raw, it was real, um, you know, it was there. These kids spoke the truth, and and you know I always tell my players uh, if you really love somebody, you're willing to tell tell them something that they don't want to hear, and that's the sign of true love, and. Uh, those those players they didn't always like each other, but they loved each other enough to tell each other the truth, and and that's why I really like that scene. Right, the one teammate even said, "You know, Mike, we're really happy for you that you got named to the McDonald's team, but ever since then you've been different. You've been a lot different." And I thought that was really powerful stuff. And then you know, after that 
after that game, Hurley says, well, something's broke here and it needs to get fixed. So you have a team meeting, and if you don't have it figured out, we're not practicing day before a game. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of puts some urgency in them that, hey, this is broken. You're in charge of fixing it. If you don't get fixed, we're not in any sort of position to practice. And then if we don't practice, we won't be prepared for the big game that's coming up. And that was the and that was the big game against um, Tyreek Evans. Yeah. The number two recruit in the nation who ended up at the University of Memphis mm-hmm. back in the Calipari days. So, yep. um, I, and again, Bob Hurley finding the button that needs to be pushed to motivate his team and get them to be absolutely best that they can be when they need to be. Yep, absolutely. Um, best coaching advice. Coach Wall, what, uh, I mean, through a. a, a we could spend this could be a whole podcast, so we got to be careful with it. But uh, best coaching advice from this film, uh, watching one of the the best high school coaches ever to to do it. What what were some of the key takeaways that you took that you might be adding to your repertoire with the Monarchs this year? Well, um, it was Reverend at Neptune game, and he was talking to his team, and he says, "Sports like life." You have to fight through obstacles. When things aren't going well, you have to work your way through those problems. That's exactly then, my top one there, too. So Yeah, and telling, reminding his team that, yeah, this is, like, this is basketball. This is a game. But here's the real-life lesson is that we're struggling right now. We're not our best, and we have to fight through everything that's, everything that's standing in our way. And not make excuses. Look ourselves in the in in the eyes, um, and and um, work our way through these problems. And not make any excuses. And that's exactly what these boys. That's what they needed to hear from their coach at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was the best advice in the. Um, the rest of got written down. Um, Bob Hurley sitting on his couch, and he says. Um, everyone will look back. Well, he says there isn't a man who left St. Anthony's who doesn't think that I'm the most demanding person that they've ever met. Mm-hmm. And he knows, he knows who he is. He's very, he knows his role in these young players life. And he knows that they need him to be this, um, demanding coach that, that he is. And, the beginning of the game, the beginning of the film, he mentions how Coach Hurley he sweeps the floor. Yeah, any chance he can, that he wants to be the one to sweep it, and I think that shows servant leadership, which is the best kind of leadership. And I know in the unique coaching situation that I'm in, you know, I'm ten minutes late for practice every day because I'm teaching at the public schools. So I got to wait until my contract is up and my assistants start practice for me. But in the rare times when I am there at the beginning of practice. Um, I want to be the one to sweep the floor. That I want my players to see how much it cares to me that um, any job, any role is important to me. And I'm not. And I'm not too big. I'm not too big or too, so important that I can't sweep the floor there. So yeah. you got Bob Hurley, who's won over 900 wins and is the best high school basketball coach ever to coach in high school. He's the one sweeping the floor before practices and games. So mm-hmm. those three things really stood up to me as far as best coaching advice. 
I, I agree with you on all of that. Uh, I got a couple other ones here, and it kind of, re- re- you know, this first one especially relates to, you know, or kind of you could tie it in. But um, I think it's important that it is it is not up to us as coaches and teachers to, to lower the bar. It's up to us to raise the bar and make our students and our athletes meet those expectations and as long as we're firm and and fair and we make that bar attainable you know obviously very few of us are going to be coaching a team with six division one players on them and not only six division one players but six high level division one players on it uh and a, and a mcdonald's all-american and so forth so i mean we've had maybe one t- you know tim cannon's team a couple years ago about the only team here in this in the history of this state that's had something like that and uh you know he he so but we need to have that bar we need to have it at a at a high level and your job as a player is to meet my expectations and as long as my expectations are fair and firm and attainable i'm not going to lower them i'm not going to lower them it's up to you to reach them and and i think that's a a great lesson that hurley gives throughout the film uh in, in a lot of different ways and then and then of course uh you know the education is more important than basketball you know it very few of us are going to have even a single player that will make a living playing basketball even if basketball takes them to the collegiate level they're going to have to rely on that education that they get at the collegiate level for the rest of their life. And he talks about how important it is. I think he said only two, all but two of his players graduated from high school in his run at St. Anthony's in over 40 years, however long he was there. And, and that might not seem like a big deal, but in the circumstances that they were in, that is a, that is an amazing statistic that, you know, only two players did not graduate from high school. And I, so I think that emphasis on education and having those high expectations are two huge uh, coaching things that, that I took from the film as well. Right. And at the very beginning of the film, he is talking to his team and he's going to have them all sign a contract, I believe, which going back to the movie Coach Carter there, but he's going to have them all sign a contract about standards i believe and he says and if you don't like them i don't care i'm not changing them because mm-hmm. you're here to get an education not be the next nba player at st anthony's mm-hmm. and and i thought i thought that was a really powerful statement because as good as that team was i mean they're the number one team in the nation you can get seven division one high school players on that team i looked them up in the nba and none of them had a productive career in the nba nope um, i think two of them made it taylor did and i think rosario had a cup of coffee you know yeah uh, yeah and taylor averaged two points a game his rookie year and then four points a game the second year and they ended up overseas mm-hmm. so as good as they were they still were not good enough to be per- to s- stick around in the league yeah yep so, um, all right, uh, numerous for me, numerous best lines in the film. Uh, I'll, I'll start out with this one here, Nate, and, and we've, we've uh, chatted about quite a few of these so far. Um, one that we've all used at some point, just one, one line, one word, a one word line, baseline, 
<laughs> He's like, okay, <laughs> we know what that means. Oh boy, um, go home. <laughs> Just go home, go home. So. Um, the, the very first scene there, uh, he's kicking the kids out of practice and, uh, they're walking off the floor and he says something along the lines of, if I see anyone smirk, I'll knock you the F out. Um, you know, so not, a, not something that you and I could get away with, uh, but, uh, you know, Bob Hurley senior could, um, he's, he's at the, he's at the kids, uh, they're handing out the basketballs and, uh, for for his the, his fun or his uh, social work job or the rec director job in Jersey City, and and the kid said I'm going to the Nets game tonight, and I he said Oh, are they your favorite team? And he's like Yeah. He goes You need to root for your team. They've lost eight straight home games. <laughs> so he's just telling this, he's telling this ten year old kid his team sucks. You know, um, you know, during the Rosario uh, situation, uh, and I, I, you might have said this earlier. I apologize if you already said it, Nate. Uh, let's worry about the guys we have on the floor right now. Because Rosario was at the end of the bench, and one of the guys was going to go down and talk to him. He's like, no, get back here. Worry about the guys that we have on the floor. Um, I think this is, and we if we if we do this job long enough, I, I think this is probably something that happens to all of us. Uh, we, have a, we have a player, or we've coached a player, and I know it's happened with me. Um, you have a very, very gifted player who just doesn't have that fire, that thing in them to to do what they're capable of doing. And uh, I forget which kid he's talking to, and maybe he's talking to the whole team. Uh, I seem more annoyed with your failure than you. And, yes. ah, man, that one hit me. Uh, that one hit me hard. It's like, yeah, I can think of, I can think of individual players that I've coached. I can think of a couple of teams that I've coached. It's just like... Why am I more invested in this than you are? Uh, why why am I ready to fight for this a lot harder than you are? And and I that that one hit home with me. That was one of my favorite ones. Uh, he tells uh, Rosario, "Your body language is pathetic." Um, his wife, I thought it was interesting. They had a little scene with his wife, uh, and you know she defended her husband. He, she said, "You know you're lucky if you find a passion like that." When he's talking about his coaching. Um, and then, you know, probably the, the, the one that rings true for all of us, especially as high school coaches, you're not doing it for the money because there is none. And, you know, that was another one that, uh, that hit home with me as well. So those were some of my favorite quotes. Uh, what do you got, sir? Your last two, you, you, you stole from me. I was hoping you wasn't going to mention them, but you, you saw it and you heard them. So, um, but yeah, it, the best quote was christine hurley his wife and it was people who are passionate about something are like bob like you're lucky if you have a passion about something mm-hmm. and like that i think i rewound that five or six times just mm-hmm. so i could hear her say it again because that was that was music to my ears there and like, that was a conversation i had with my players post season um was yeah, I was talking about, you know, yeah, sometimes I get a little, uh, I get a little emotional and jacked up on the sidelines and I get up, you know, I get upset in practice because I love the game of basketball and I'm extremely passionate about it, mm-hmm. but I have no apologies for it. And I, I even told a few of my players that if you are as passionate about something as I am about basketball, 
consider yourself very, very lucky. Because yeah. when I'm on the when I'm in a gym coaching the game and I'm on the sidelines, like I'm alive. Mm-hmm. Like I I am breathing the freshest air in the world. And you can see that as you as you go to the state tournament as well. And mm-hmm. you know, the one that ring the one that comes to mind is JJ Stolfeld from Omaha Roncalli. I love watching that guy coach. You can tell everything he does, he's so passionate about. And I talked to, you know, and I talked to my players about find that passion, find that thing that makes you feel alive. Mm-hmm. I got one player that's really passionate about sharks and saving the oceans. In fact, she might even go to the University of Hawaii and measure uh, and major and stuff like that. I got another player that's really passionate about one act and speech. And can, you know, mm-hmm. she has a scouting report on one act teams before they go to districts or state. Yep. I mean, yep. I've never had a player like that before. And so um, I said, that is, that is a good thing to yeah. be data passionate or obsessed with something like I am towards basketball because that makes me feel alive. I mean, um, you know, besides my family, um, I'd say basketball is the thing that's on my mind the most. The thing that I think about the most throughout the day, constantly finding wills and ways to get better. And then, yeah, you're exactly right. And then she followed that up and said, the great thing about high school coaches is you aren't doing it for the money because there is none. Mm -hmm. And, and that fed into earlier in the film, someone working at St. Anthony said that Coach Hurley could have coached in the NBA, could have been a college coach, could have been a pro scout, but he has stayed in the belly of the beast. And that there's a lot of respect for a man that does that. How many times do you see that where you see high school coaches or Maybe college is probably the one there where they're always chasing the next thing. The yeah, next they're chasing the next thing, job. Yep. And they're not as successful as they were in their previous stop because they're just always chasing that bigger, better thing, chasing that paycheck, chasing that title that that, have, that they haven't been able to get. Billy Donovan's the one that comes to my mind, mm-hmm. you know, the most. Yeah. Um, Coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Yeah, you, yeah, you got to be where your feet are. Um, and yep. and that's where you have to, you just have to lock into things and, and, uh, no, I, I agree with you. And there, and there was, you know, there was probably ten more quotes we could have put on this uh, right. that 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 were just that just hit home and resonated. Uh, for one both one of I us. really liked is after they played a Tyreek Evans, and after the game, guys, guys, <laughs> Evans yeah. scored. He, he averages thirty three points a game. He had seventeen. So do we need to go over and get his autograph? Yeah. No. 
Yeah. Yeah. And as I as I said, uh, five minutes into it, how big was the chip on the shoulder of of Bob Hurley Senior? You know. But you know, I'll be honest with you. We we we've done that. There's there's been kids that we've uh, spotlighted, and uh, I, I think probably um, for like Hurley uh, in that situation. And again, I'm just I'm I don't know Bob Hurley Senior, a coach. If you ever hear this and you disagree, feel free to reach out to me, uh, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. But uh, <laughs> I, I think probably that in that particular situation, he looks at Tyreek Evans and goes, okay, you average 33 a game, and you're a tremendous player. But you know what? If you played here, you'd average 24 a game, but you'd be so much more well-rounded. And and you have you have all these gifts and you're not using them to the best of your ability. And again, Tyreek Evans is a way better basketball player than I'll ever be in my life times 100. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that. But I think that's probably that that driving thing where he goes, yeah, he's really good. But imagine if he did this, 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 and this, and he would be that much better. And I think that's kind of what uh, probably some of that uh, drove or again, I'm just spitballing Phil Dunphy style here. Uh, that's that's what I'm. That's that's my thought on on that little quote there. But that was pretty funny to say too. So right. Well, speaking of chasing that next big thing, their rivals Elizabethtown St. Patrick's. Did you notice who their head coach was? Uh, it's so, a Kevin Boyle. Yeah, Boyle. Yeah. And then I think he left shortly after that to go to Montverde Academy in Florida. Yep. So even he. You know, I mean, and that's a job that Hurley definitely could have had to go off to Florida and get, you know, get kids that are going to be able to go to an academy, mm-hmm. um, go someplace nice like Orlando. And Kevin Boyle even went and chased that next big thing at Montverde. Mm-hmm. And um, not nearly probably as tough as a job as what he had at St. Patrick's. Yeah, absolutely. We had to truly grind every single day with those kids. Yep, yep. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about storylines. There's a lot of different ones. One storyline that we haven't mentioned yet, Nate, is, and, and this is kind of, for me, it's a, it's a little bit personal, near and dear to my heart. Uh, the story of, uh, Sister Mary Allen, uh, she was the one that had survived. I think at that point she was like seven years, uh, with cancer and just her dedication to the team and her dedication to the school and that type of thing. And, uh, you know, I went to uh, I went to a Catholic college, and when I was in college, my mom passed away uh, suddenly, and I had a a nun sister sister Edith Gottsacker, uh, who became my mother my mother essentially for my last couple of years of college. She really just helped guide me uh, through so so many things, and she was my my mother figure. And, you know, I could really relate to those kids and the way that she was kind of the team mom. And, you know, again, kind of today we have the high profile with the sister Jean at Loyola and that type of thing. But I, th- that was just something for me uh, that personally I could identify with having having that person in your life uh, that that y- you could talk to, uh, you know, uh, you know, she was the she was the good cop when when Hurley was the bad cop and and that type of thing. So I really enjoyed that storyline as well. Yeah, um, I agree with you. And you know, she 
she she mentioned that as well. It, it was cool to see her like in the trenches like that, constantly trying to raise money and to keep the doors of that school open. And she even alluded to that that you know, Coach Hurley is you know he's the one that yells and screams at them, and he's not going to be the one to reach out and give him a hug. I'm that person. Mm-hmm. I'm that teddy bear. I'm that soft cushion for them to land on. And the players said that she's she's like a saint and a mother to them. And Coach Hurley, you know, as big as that chip was on his shoulder, said she's 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 my best friend. Yeah, she's 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 absolutely my best friend. How well they have to work together, and that just shows you all the different parts of a school that there are like there needs to be that sister Allen in every school and there needs to be that coach Hurley in every school. Mm -hmm. Um, and no one can be both of them, but you got to have one of each Mm -hmm. um, to, to, to make kids successful in life. And yeah, that was, that was a, I I like that storyline. It was also cool to follow. And I know we mentioned it before the struggle that those kids have to go through every single day getting on a subway at six thirty in the morning. Um, can, I mean, can you even just imagine, I mean, I got a 12 mile, 12 minute commute to Bellwood where I might <laughs> see 10 cars every day. And it's, but there's a stop sign crazy. along the way though. There's one, yeah. there's one, yeah. there's one, there's one along the way. Yeah. And I, I know my kids have it really easy, you know, a two minute commute to school when I drop them off, but I couldn't imagine them having 45 minutes to an hour on a subway yeah. five to six days a week to get to school, you know, in the, in the, in the snow and in the rain and mm-hmm. um, through parts of New York that we probably don't want to be in at times of the day that you don't want to be in. And, yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that was fascinating to me. Yep. Yep. Um, basketball lessons learned coach wall basketball lessons learned. What are, what are some of the things and I, and I, and, uh, you know, two or three things on my list for this category, uh, I've already, or we've kind of already talked about, but I'll kind of let you lead here on this one here. What are some of the, the basketball lessons learned, uh, on, uh, the street stops here? What I wrote down was kids, players, they really do like standards, boundaries, being held accountable. Mm-hmm. Now, they may not realize it in the moment, mm-hmm. and they, they may not even admit to it, but kids do strive when they have order and organization in their life because these players didn't have that. Mm-hmm. They didn't have... Some of them didn't have a mom or a dad that was currently living with them. Yep. Some of them were, four of them were living in one house yep. with a, with another male figure that also had a police record. Yeah, single dad. Yep. Yep. And and I, and I always I always go back to and, and as an elementary teacher, I always remind myself of that 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 kids do like they do like standards, they do like boundaries, they do like someone to hold them accountable. They may never admit it. They may not even realize it at the time, but they do like that. And, and there is a reason why these players would go through as much as they did to get to school, to go to coach Hurley, to go play for him because they do like how hard they are on him Mm -hmm. because he shows that he loves them. Yeah. I think 
uh, Rosario even said this. He says he yells at me because he cares. And that was right after the, the game where he was told to put on his jacket and watch your body language. Uh, he said he yells at me because he cares. Yep. And I, I, I remind my, my, even my own two kids at home, I remind them that, that you have a bedtime because I love you and I care for you. I want you to have a great day tomorrow. And um, I make sure you buckle your seatbelt and that you're safe on your bike because I love you and I care for you. And um, yeah, I I remind my players of that as well about, you know, your mom and dad truly love you and I love you. And that's why it hurts so much when you're not, practicing or playing up to your full potential you're not giving your best effort it stings me because i love you that much Mm -hmm. you uh uh uh, second reference to connie plum here tonight which i'm which i'm fine with uh my mom uh, on more than one occasion uh said to me you know i love you enough to tell you no and and that's something that's always stuck with me i love you enough to tell you no and i use that story with with my kids as well um and and you you hit the nail on the head kind of the number one basketball lesson learned here's here's how i wrote it out nate and it's basically the same thing that you said uh sometimes you have to wear the black hat but if they know you care they'll accept it and that's who coach hurley was as a coach that you know he wore that black hat and he wore it well but deep down inside the players knew that he truly truly cared about them and their well-being and that's why he was uh, willing to do those things um, we talked about, you know, sweeping the floor. Uh, we talked about, uh, you know, with Rosario and nobody was bigger than the program. Um, uh, you know, roles, uh, they, they, they had six division one kids. There's only one ball. They, they had to figure out a, a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm sure. Uh, and, and we probably, you know, I'm sure the cameras weren't there for everything throughout the season. And I'm sure there were other things that happened where, you know, you know, defining as we as we tell our kids, uh, know, accept, embrace, and excel at your role, and and that's hard to do on almost every team. But with six Division One kids, that had to be extremely difficult to take all of that and put it together and and have everybody uh, not necessarily be okay with it, but to adhere to the role that they were asked to do. And I think that that's a, a a great lesson to learn from this film as well. You know, we didn't we didn't talk about coaches where they practiced that they didn't have a gym, mm-hmm. and so uh, for twenty eight years they practiced in an old broken down bingo hall, yep. known as what was it called, the White Eagle Hall or something? yeah, something like that. Yep. And then they don't have a home gym, so they have to rent out a rec center, and that was a reminder to me that. Hey, it doesn't matter where we practice. It's what you put into your practice that that makes you who you are. That makes your team as good as it can be. And I, I love Sister Allen's line there. Said makes us a really good road team. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I think you're talking about. Uh, they had the little montage of, uh, you know, their building at the time was 110 years old or whatever. You know, and uh, that's where Bobby Hurley Jr. practiced in, and and he went to yeah. Duke, and he was in that old bingo hall. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, they they went through, and they they you know uh, their weight room was a bunch of free weights that they kind of locked into a closet, and then they cleared out uh, space in the cafeteria so they could lift in the cafeteria. And, and I think uh, players watching that, especially if you're in a, a situation where you have really really nice facilities, hey. 
look what look what they overcame. You you think it's so important to have this, that, or the other thing? Hey, look what look what they're doing, and look how good they are. You don't you don't have to have the 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 fanciest of every single thing. That's just that's just part of it. And in some ways, uh, when you don't have all those things, it makes you tougher and more together. Uh, because because you have that attitude, you have that again, kind of taking that chip off the shoulder of of Coach Hurley and putting on our, putting it on ours. That hey, we don't have the great resources, we don't have the home gym, we don't have the practice gym and and the second gym and and the the shootaways and all these other things, and we're still going to kick your butt. And and I think that's a great lesson learned as well. Right, and that, that's one thing I've noticed coaching in our conference that I haven't even told my assistants that I feel like every single school we play at our conference is exactly the same you know um the hallways even smell the the exact same <laughs> thing and i'm fortunate that i am at a client scout i feel like we have the best facilities in our conference when it comes to the two two really nice gyms right next to each other uh, we have really nice facilities in, in, in the school but um yeah they describe their they have a basement, classroom, cafeteria, locker room, weight room, all in one. <laughs> is, is how they describe a hundred-year-old building with original windows. Yep. And yeah, that that was that that was a really good life lesson mm-hmm. for me. Um, how can this film help you win games? Uh, I had two or three things here. Again, we talked about player appreciation. Uh, no one is uh, is is above the team and the good of the team. Uh, but I also think that uh, what Hurley did a, a really, really good job on with coaching this team is to have them want to be the hunters and not the hunted. And he talked about how, you know, we don't want to relax. We don't want to be the one that everybody is going after. We know that that's going to be part of it, but we want our kids to go after every team that they're playing every night that they play in. And, and so when he said that, you know, we want to be, we want to hunt, not be hunted or be the hunted. Uh, that was one of another, one of my really favorite lines, but I kind of slid it into this category here because I think that, uh, sometimes when you think you ha- you're going to have a really, really good team, uh, sometimes those are are tough seasons to coach because you have those expectations. You have, as Pat Riley calls it, the disease of more. Uh, you think that you're going to be really good, so you kind of maybe step back because you know we you know we got this type of a thing. And no, you have to have that. We are going to be the hunters every single time we step out onto the floor. Well, if you noticed how his coaching during games changed as the year went on mm-hmm. you know they they showed a couple games where they won there's one game they won by 60 points and he was barking at them the entire game in the locker room saying that's not that's not good enough um what are we really playing for here and then uh he was so hard on them to the games until they got to that state semifinal yeah and then he was extremely positive because I think he wanted them just to relax and let go. He he and he and he mentioned that as well, but he knew the previous thirty one games or whatever that they were gonna win somewhat easily and he didn't want them to be complacent and content yeah. and to always be wanting more. But then when he got to that state semifinals against St. Patrick's, that is when you saw a lot more positive comments on him. 
Mm-hmm. 32 minutes go out there, B-men take the building over. Mm-hmm. We are wearing on them. They don't, they know we are wearing on them. We mm-hmm. work hard. We have characters. We have value, values and talent. Mm-hmm. Um, don't let one sloppy possession be the difference now. Mm-hmm. And, and I just always, I always try to remember myself at the end of tight games. What face do I want my team to see right now on mm-hmm. me? Yeah, and if I show them panic, then they're gonna panic. Yep, and I and I was reminded of that quote as I'm watching this as well. He knew it was gonna be a tight game, gonna go down to the very last minute, and so he was going to be calm so that that start because because calm is contagious, mm. and. But the how I think this film can help you. I wrote down three things. Um, I want I want to piggyback on that really quick, Nate. Just a couple of things that I've used with my kids is we get into those last minute and a half, two minutes, you know, whatever. And and one of the phrases that I will use at the beginning of a huddle, uh, you know, I'll say, okay, here's how we're going to win this game tonight. Here's how we're going to win, you know. And and so here's our plan. I'm confident in the plan, and I'm precipitating with. If we do this, I think we're going to win. So here's how we're going to win the game. And then uh, one of my former assistants, Sarah Goodwin, I'll get, you know she deserves all the credit for this. Uh, when we would be in those situations, uh, the kids would be the leaving the huddle, and she would start telling them as they were leaving the huddle, "Hey, go out and win the game. Go out and be the aggressor. Go out and be win the game. Uh, don't be uh, conservative." Don't be apprehensive. Go out and win the game. And, and those are a couple of things that we've used over the years to help our kids in those situations as well that you were referring to. So, Right. And a line I use a lot with my team that they love is I'll say, breathe. Think about your breathing. Breathe out of your eyelids. So they'll go to the free throw line and, um, and I'll say, hey, breathe out of your eyelids. And they start telling it to one another. And they told me this summer that, they love it when I say that because it's just so stupid because no one can breathe out of their eyelid and it makes them smile and it calms them down. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I also coach my son's baseball team and I'll say it to my pitchers all the time. Like, Hey, breathe out of your eyelids. And that just reminds them to think about their, think about their breathing. But it's always funny when you see that player, actually, you look on the bench, you, they're actually trying to breathe out of their <laughs> yeah. eyelids. Well, how, how do you, how do you do that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, the life lessons I learned, number one, love your players. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's a tough love. And Coach Hurley mentioned that his program is built on three things, discipline, sacrifice, and tough love. Yep. Um, so just love your players and tell them you love them. And in fact, after they won that state semifinal game, he told one player, hey, I love you. I love you guys. We're going to go get that ring on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And um, be invested. Be involved with your school be involved with your community and fight for it. Like coach Hurley did every single day. Like that was his nine to four job was fighting for his community, um, to get the clean up the streets of Jersey city. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. Yeah. And coach Hurley was constantly watering his grass. He could have left for, bigger better opportunities but he was always he was always making st anthony's the the best that it could possibly be um because he was he was involved and invested uh it wasn't about the money for him it was about it was about serving these kids and trying to get them to be 
the best members of society as possible. Yep. All right, man. Uh, motivational grade. You know, how motivated are you to coach after watching this? And I, I mean, I, I think there's only one letter grade we can give this one, Nate. Got to be an A. Yeah, yeah, this is an A. This yeah. is an A. This is a strong A. Yep. Yep. MVP of the movie? Uh, it's Bob Hurley. Yep. 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 I think, um, you know, um, if Bob Hurley's Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen is Sister Allen. <laughs> yep. Uh, she she was definitely the the, the the second most important one, but this this movie's about Bob Hurley. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, yeah, there's there's no Saint Anthony's without Bob Hurley Senior, and uh, he is he is the one common link to all twenty some state championships that they ended up winning and. And so, absolutely, yes, he's the and he's the MVP of this movie. He's the MVP of this story. So, overall grade, Mister Wall, uh, as as my nephew Briggs would call you, uh, what what uh, what's your overall grade from A to F for the street stops here? You know, um, I'm gonna give this an, I'm gonna give this an A minus. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I I really liked it. Again, I like the fact that I was given a movie to watch that I hadn't seen before. I hadn't really heard anything about it. Never seen a trailer for. So I really went in blind. Um, but I I give it an A minus. Very good. I gave it an A. I mean, I loved it from start to finish. Um, I, I think it's just a really really powerful story. I don't think there's a lot of um, weak links. I, I think it's a really efficient 80 minute documentary and, and there's not a lot of fat to it. Uh, I don't think that there isn't anything in there, uh, that is not essential to the story of this team. And, and you can't, you can't separate this team from Bob Hurley and you can't separate Bob Hurley from St. Anthony's and you can't separate St. Anthony's from Bob Hurley and this team. And I, I, I think, all three of those storylines merge together in, in, in one, and and I and I just I, I think it's a terrific, terrific documentary. And folks, if you get a chance to find it somewhere, maybe I have the last remaining copy anywhere. I don't know, Nate. Uh, but uh, if you get a chance to watch it, check it out. The street stops here uh, about St. Anthony's and and Bob Hurley Senior. So. Anything? I really liked. I, I really liked how it ended. Um, they showed a picture of that statue of um, uh, of their school, and it's right as you're walking up the steps of the school, and there was um, mm-hmm. there was painted on the wall, "You are entering a safe and special place, and the street stops here." Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was something that was extremely powerful um, to remind the kids that you are in a safe place when you enter this when you enter the school doors yeah. and that you, you are surrounded by adults that love you and they're here for you and they're here to take care of you. And they do have your best interest at heart. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh, there is a sad ending to the story, uh, about a year and a half after this particular season ended, um, sister Mary Allen passed away from, uh, from cancer. And then of course, at the end of the 2017 school year, uh, St. Anthony's did end up closing its doors uh, for the final time. Uh, so, you know, a, a great story for as long as it lasted. Um, and, and again, just a, a great uh, film about uh, basketball, about life, about education, about kids, and of course, about coaching. And that's why we talk about it here 
in the film room um, in our second of our documentary series. So anything else to add, Coach? No, well, I guess there's one thing. I don't know if you caught it during the movie, but um, Sister Allen talked about how they used to get big donations until 9-11. And then when 9-11 happened, those people donated donated to to them started donating to the 9-11 cause. That tragic act of terrorism there had a profound effect on St. Anthony's that they didn't recover from. Yep, yep. Well, it's just kind of like, um, you know, like in, in our lifetime, and I and I know I'm a little older than you, uh, but like at the outbreak of the AIDS crisis, uh, there were medical, there was medical research that was kind of put on the back burner because a lot of the funding went to the AIDS crisis, you know. And, and so, uh, again, that's part of real life that, that, that plays out with, with, with stuff that we do, so... Uh, that, that, that you are right with that there. So, um, all right, well, Hey, let's, let's wrap it up here. Uh, Nate, thanks so much for coming on. I, I, I really appreciate it. I hope I, I hope you enjoyed breaking this one down with me. I really did. And thanks for having me. It was, it was a lot of fun. Oh, awesome, man. So, uh, the street stops here. Like I said, uh, check it out. Bob Hurley senior. Great movie. A lot to learn from it. Really, really good stuff. We'll be back next week. We'll be back in the feature film category. And I think you're going to like it. I, I think you're going to like it. Uh, it is a movie that actually I believe was up for some Oscars. Not fake Oscars like Teen Wolf was. These were real Oscars that this movie was up for. So that should kind of narrow it down for you with what we got planned here in the film room. So hope you folks have enjoyed it. I uh, want to thank Coach Wall again for, for coming on and helping me break this down here. The street stops here. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.